Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. In our previous session, we spoke about how Apostle Peter, who um, the Lord has given the revelation about the importance of suffering in Christian work, enjoins us to have a certain or to be armed in order to be able to make good use or not waste our suffering or make good use of, of our suffering. And I, and I spoke about um, why Christians suffer. I gave two points out of the eight and I said I'll continue today. So, yeah. well, let's look at the text. As I explained, Peter starts by talking about how we should, if the need be, it is better to suffer for doing the will of God than, uh, if the need be, it's better, if it's the will of God, to suffer doing good than doing evil. And he says that for Christ has also suffered for us. And after he suffered and died, he was resurrected. And after the resurrection, he was ascended and seated or he was exalted and seated at the right hand of majesty. And so by so doing, he paints the picture. He gives us the picture of the fact that, or the, the picture of the fact that once we also follow him, where he ended or where he has ended is where we will end. So we are called to follow Jesus. So in, uh, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, it says, I'm reading from the New King James this time, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. Arm yourself. Get the ammunition. We need the ammunition to fight the good fight of faith. Arm yourself with the same mind. And I spoke about how in order not to waste our suffering, we have to be armed with a mindset, not armed with an assault rifle, an assault rifle or a, a sword or a shield or a gun, a pistol or something like that, but we should be armed with a mindset. So your mind, the way you think, is what determines the outcome of your life. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it said, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that stands to imply the quality of your transformation is a function of the renewing, renewal of your mind. The mind plays a major role in this battle, in the Christian's life, in the, in the Christian warfare. The mind, in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says, as a man Things in his heart, so is he. You are not different. I am not different from the way I think. My mindset. And when the Bible says that we should arm ourselves with this mindset, we should arm ourselves with this mind. Philippians chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 5, it says that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count its robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and became a servant, even and humbled himself unto death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, death of the cross, wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above all names that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess in heaven on earth and under the earth that Jesus and Jesus Christ or Jesus is Lord. Now Jesus was able to do that 
Because of a mindset he had. What was the mindset? Your mind in spiritual warfare, your mind is the determining factor so long as victory is concerned. In our lives with God, in our lives in God, yes, we are born again in our spirits, but our minds play a role, a major role when it comes to victory. Victory on earth, in our lives on earth. Our minds, your mindset, your mindset. And he says that, arm yourself with this mindset. So the mindset is an ammunition. Hallelujah. My mindset is an ammunition that will determine the the. the the nature of my victory, nature of our victories in Christ, in, 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 our, in our warfare, and in our sacrifices, or our ability to utilize our pain, to make full use of our suffering, to use, allow our suffering to be a blessing, to allow our tribulation, our afflictions and troubles and difficulties to turn out for our good, that we, it is necessary to have a certain mindset. And that mindset is your pain has a purpose. Your pain has a purpose. That you, I need that pain for the glory ahead. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. And so it's a mindset, a mindset that allows us and, or enables us to be able to endure and despise. Endure the cross, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Endure the cross, despising the shame, and therefore is seated at the right hand of the Father. So to be able to win this battle, he says that, therefore, arm yourself also, with the same, the same, this was the same. The, he was thinking, watch this, this is very important. What was the mindset Jesus had? The, it was the mindset of the, the, the Father's will, the Father's pleasure, the Father's purpose, and the mindset of the glory ahead. So the Bible said, who for the joy that was set before him. It, he was able to endure the cross because of the joy that was set before him. He was able to go to the cross because he was obedient to the Father. He said, not as I will. Nevertheless, your will be done. Nevertheless, he said, if Father, Father, if it be possible, Matthew chapter 26. Father, if it, is, it be possible, let this from verse 36, 37, 38, 39. If it be possible, let this cup come pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will be done. When he said, it is time for the Son of Man to go to Jerusalem and to suffer, Peter took him aside, it was Satan at work through Peter, to begin to rebuke him. Don't talk suffering. You can't talk suffering. You are not supposed to suffer. About it, about the mission, about the mission. He said, get behind me, Satan. He had a mindset that whatever it costs to please God, I'm ready to do it. And for us to be, to be able to utilize our suffering, we must have this mindset that doesn't matter what it costs. I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm in this. I'm in this throughout my life. I am in this to the end. Bible talks about uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 21, 22. It says that they, he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says that you, you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you will, uh, uh, verse 40, 36, that you, 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 you uh, uh, obtain the promise. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 talks about how don't cast away your confidence, for it has a great recompense of reward. Don't cast away your confidence. It has a great recompense of reward. So that means that you must, oh, thank you, Jesus. You must think reward. You must think obedience. We must think the will of God. We must think pleasing God. We must think taking our obedience to call God to the to the to the to the highest extent or the wildest extent. That's why Bible talks about how he had this mind in him who, even though he was God, he did not count equal, uh, equality with God, something to grasp or to hold on to, but he became, he was found in a fashion as a man and he became uh, as a servant and he became obedient. And Bible said, even to the death on the cross, if obedient as far as dying, if you would die, that he should have died 
uh, uh, some honorable death, but he died the most vile, most shameful death any human being can die. Crucifixion by the cross, uh, by, by the cross, is the the cr- most cruel means of execution human beings have ever devised. And Jesus died by the cross. In, in, in it was a very shameful death. But Bible says. That's how far he was willing to be obedient. He was willing to be obedient, and he wasn't suffering for himself. He was suffering for others. That's the kind of mindset. He said, no problem. As long as it's the will of God, as long as God is honored, as long as God is glorified in my marriage, no problem. As long as God's will is done, as long as I'm obeying the word of God, as long as I know I'm doing what God has asked me to do, as long as I'm following God, it's fine. Let Bring on. Let the suffering flow. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying we should go look for suffering. Suffering will come anyway. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 said, Yea, all those who live godly shall suffer persecution. So suffering, as I said in the, other, in the previous teaching, is a necessary aspect of our work with God, our obedience to God, or our journey to glory. Our journey. No, I'm not talking about life after here. I'm talking about our journey to the glory of God. Because glory always follows sufferings. Or sufferings always precede glory. As I said the other time, it was necessary that Jesus should go through this. And after that, after he had been through the suffering, he be glorified. Now, going back to why, so why should we suffer as Christians? If the suffering is so important, why should we suffer? In our previous session, I spoke about number one, purpose of suffering, it brings purity or it purifies our faith. Number two, purpose of suffering, it produces patience. Number three, the third purpose for suffering is it brings closeness to Christ or fellowship, it intensifies and strengthens our fellowship with Christ. Can you imagine when you are suffering and you know it's because of your obedience to Christ? There's a way it brings a a closer walk with God. It helps for a closer fellowship. Bible calls it the fellowship of his suffering. As you are suffering for him, it it helps you to focus more on him and it, it helps you to get closer to him because the more he becomes your focus, the closer you get to him. And so we need, the, the sufferings come, we don't look for it, but when the sufferings come, we, we don't waste the suffering. We look up to him more, we look up to him more, and we get closer to him in the time of difficulties, in the time of sacrifices, in the time of challenges, as we are obeying him. I'm talking about the challenges and the trouble that come to us simply because of a righteous step we take, not because of humanity. Human beings have sorrows and problems and troubles. In fact, there has always been an age-old discourse about if God is sovereign, why, why must there be suffering? If God is sovereign, why suffering on earth? If God is sovereign. Now, there's a branch of theology or there's a, a theological studies which is called theodicy. Theodicy is theodicy is the when we explain why suffering is part of humanity and God is still sovereign. Okay, and I'm telling you, suffering is not anything that uh, eliminates God or make makes God less powerful. We Christians understand that our suffering for Christ enhances our closeness and our relationship with God, the fellowship of his suffering. The fellowship of his suffering. There are people uh, uh, across the ages who have come up with all kinds of ideologies. There's this, I think, they, um, there are people who believe that, you know, um, I think it's called progress theology. Progress theology. Progress theology is the ideology that purports that God is not fully now deity. deity. He's still developing. So he's managing to learn how to handle sufferings, sufferings on earth to help people. So uh, some of the sufferings on earth is new to him. <laughs> very, very bizarre thinking, way of thinking. God is in charge, God is in control, and he is governing 
as a believer, when you go through a difficult time because, remember I keep put, because of your challenge, uh, your walk with Christ, when you go through a difficult time, God had said, I heard someone put it this way, we take care how we go through, God controls the heat in the oven. God controls, he will never allow the heat to be higher than you can take. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says that, for no temptation has come to you, but that which is common to man. All right. So temptation or the challenges that come, come up against us are human challenges that God, once God is with us, we are able to handle it. And guess what? We are able to use those issues, situations, to build our muscles and to build close, closeness with God. And it's very important. So number four is... And number three is closeness to Christ. We get closer to Christ. We build closeness to God. Number four is very, very important. Is it trains us to be useful to other believers or other Christians who are going through the same suffering. So when we go through something, whatever we go through, it, God uses that rather to train us. So God might not bring the trouble, but our work with God will bring certain troubles. And then the troubles come. When the affliction comes, when the, the suffering comes, God will use that suffering to train us so we will become useful to other believers who go through the same trouble. So I think in um, Thessalonians, 2 Corinthians or 2 Thessalonians, it talks about God comforted us. We went through problems and God comforts us and so that we will comfort you with the comfort with which God comforts us. Yeah, I think in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I, I believe. So we go through certain situations. Yeah, verse 4 says that who comforted us, uh, who comforted us in all our tribulations that we may be able to comfort them which are in uh, in any trouble by the comfort wherein we ourselves are comforted of God. So when others are going through tribulation and God wants to use us to be a blessing to us, he uses the comfort he, 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 uh, he uh, directed towards us. The comfort that God gave us when we went through our tribulation is, the, is what we use to also minister to others who are going through same tribulation. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4. So God comforts us. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound by Christ. Once we are increasing in suffering, consolation, comfort is also increasing. Heaven will never leave you by yourself. Heaven will never leave us alone. God is with us in times of pain, in times of joy, in times of laughter, in times of sorrow. God is with us. And I'm announcing to my brother, I'm announcing to my sister that God, I don't know what you might be going through at this moment, but God is with you. God is with you. And the, the higher the challenge, the greater the comfort that God releases to us. So I see that happening for you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So um, uh, in, in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse, uh, sorry, Philemon chapter 1, uh, Philemon 123, it talks about my fellow prisoners. You know, we are, you are not alone. Sometimes if, when you are going through some challenges, when you are going through persecution, when you are going through suffering, it actually, when believers are going through something together, it binds them together. Like a husband and a wife, when they have a, a, a challenge, let's say a court case or a health problem with a child or something, it has a way to, to bind them together. Challenges bind us together. Common challenges bind us together. So when we go through affliction as believers, it binds, it builds alliance. It builds stronger unity amongst us. And so our challenges, God used use that to make us useful to other believers. So Paul, uh, no, um, John, the one who, the revelator. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 says, I, John, who also am your brother and a companion in tribulation. 
Hallelujah. I'm your companion. I'm suffering. But I know you are also suffering. You guys are suffering. And I'm also suffering. I'm a, your companion in tribulations. I'm your companion in tribulation. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, see how Peter puts it. Peter said, The elders which are amongst you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ. <laughs> I'm an elder and a witness. So this, what I'm ministering to you is not foreign to me. It's not strange to me. I am a, be, I'm, I'm, I'm a practitioner. I, 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 when you go to the chapter four again, you see something. I'm a partaker. I'm a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. I'm actually taking part. I am going through the suffering, but actually it's Christ's suffering I'm partaking of. Hallelujah. And so I'm yourself with this mindset that if the suffering is Christ's suffering, which I'm partaking of, then that means I'm also going to partake of his glory, partake of his support, is the blessings that are ahead in Jesus' mighty name. And so it trains us to be useful to other believers who are going through uh, similar challenges. Number five, it's suffering for the believer, the Christian. Why, why do Christians suffer? Number five, Christians suffer because suffering keeps the believer humble. You know, especially when you are God, when God is raising you, and God is doing a lot with your life. It's interesting how sometimes, if you are not careful, you can be very, very. You can focus on how important you are. When, especially when certain things, blessings or promotions are manifesting in your life potentially from God as a believer. It's very easy because of the human nature. It's very easy to become so important. And there is a way, Bible said, Paul said, because so I will not be exalted above measure, beyond measure. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. That would prick me so, so that, why was it given to me? So I don't get... Pride doesn't take hold of me because that is what made Lucifer lose his place. Pride. Bible says pride goes before a fall. So, so that pride doesn't take hold of us and so to keep us humble, there are times God will allow certain sufferings, certain challenges to come towards us to keep us humble. To keep us humble. Because as I said the other time, the, great, the giftings of God are on shelf one under the other, not one on top of the other, so that the more you are becoming big and tall in the spirit, the more gifts you, you can get. No, it's the shelf one under the other. So the more you are, you are willing to go down, the more gifts you can collect. When you collect the next one, the next one is below that. You have to go further low. So humility is the pathway for elevation. Humility is the pathway for elevation in God. And so when God wants to keep you humble, can you imagine Paul? He said, because, let me read it. 2 Corinthians again, chapter, two, chapter 12, verse 5. It says, because of the abundance of the revelation. Let me read it. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And he said, for this, I asked God, God, please take this thing away from three times. I prayed. I prayed three times. God, take this thing away. But God said, don't worry, boy. My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Don't worry about the suffering. I'm with you. It will never pull you down. There's enough grace for you. Even though you are feeling weak in this area, stay strong. Keep your eye on me. And um, so that even leads me to the next point that the purpose of suffering for Christian, it's, uh, it's, uh, Christians suffer because suffering will help us to depend on God the more. Suffering. So here, the scripture I just read, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when, when, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when you look again at the verse 9 and verse 10, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in, in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. This is interesting. Listen, think about it. He said, I take pleasure in infirmities. 
in troubles, in problems. I take pleasure. He said, therefore, I take, this is very interesting. You have to know Christ to be able to talk like that. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be armed with a certain mindset to be able to talk like that. Look at that. He said, I take pleasure in infirmities. Why? Because God said his grace is straight sufficient for me, and his strength is made perfect in my weakness. He said, because God's strength is made perfect in my weakness, I therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. Did you see that? For Christ's sake, not for gossip's sake or for bad behavior's sake. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I, I, so then the strength that I would exhibit in my life is a clear function of my dependence on God. Because where I am weak, that's where I'm exp experiencing God more. Where I am weak, where this thing is hurting, where it hurts most, most where it, it, it's painful most, that is where I see the most manifestation of God's strength. So we need sometimes these sufferings come, these challenges come, these afflictions come, these troubles come to help us to depend on God. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse eight, very verse nine. I think let me read verse nine and ten instead. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse nine and verse ten. It, it says that, um, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He says that we don't want you to be ignorant about the problems that came to us at Asia, verse 8, that we were pressed beyond measure, above strength, so, so much that we even despaired in life. We were tired of living. But the, verse 9 says that, but we had this sentence, the, the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? That we should not trust in ourselves. Oh, but in God, which, who raises the dead? So the problems they went through trained them how to depend more on God. Depend more on God and not just their gifts, not just their abilities, not their contacts, not who they know, not who is with them, not their friends. Sometimes it's good. Your friends will let you down. Sometimes it's good. The people you trust in will to let you down. Let you down. Sometimes it's good for your bank account to let you down. Sometimes it's good. It's good for some things to let you down. As long as you are working with God in a certain way, it's good. Don't be afraid when things go wrong when you are working with God. Don't be afraid when you work with God and things seem to go wrong. No, don't be afraid because they are actually working for you. Your dependence on God is a necessary aspect of your next level. Or for your next level. Dependence on God. And so... Number five, number six is it helps us to depend more on God or de generate greater dependence on God. Number seven, I like number seven. Why do Christians go through suffering? Because sufferings are our employees. <laughs> Let me put it there. Because sufferings work for us. It's working for us. Suffering, your suffering, your pain is working for you. Don't waste it. Use it. How do you use it? Arm yourself with a mindset. Arm yourself with a certain thinking that this thing shall turn for my good. This thing is working for my good. All things are working for my good. And keep trusting God, and keep loving God, and keep pushing and pushing. In Second um, Corinthians, I'm already here. Second Corinthians, chapter four, verse seventeen. <laughs> he said, "For our light afflictions, which our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory." The, our affliction is actually working for us glory. It's producing glorious outcome for us. How? That is the beautiful, the beauty of working with God. He said, for our afflictions, uh, our affliction is working for us. Uh, what is it working? It, uh, eternal weight of glory. He said, let me read it again. For our affliction, for our, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more, far more 
exceeding eternal weight of glory. Their glory is heavy. What we are going through. When you read the, that same text in the NIV, it said our afflictions, they are achieving for us. When you read the New Living Translation or New American Standard Bible, it says that they produce for us. So afflictions work for us. Afflictions achieve for us. Afflictions produce for us. And when you read the English Standard Version, it says afflictions prepare for us. So what, however you look at it, your afflictions, your challenges, your trials, your tribulations, the persecutions, the difficulties, those infirmities, because of the name of Christ, they are working for you. They are working for you a far more eternal way of glory. Hallelujah. Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 11 that for the, when they spoke about the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Glory always follow our suffering. Luke chapter 24 verse 26 Jesus said the foolish Oh, foolish, slow of heart to believe what all the prophets and Moses have said. Ought not the Christ to have suffered all these things and then enter into his glory? There's, a gl there's glory ahead. And the sufferings just work for our glory. The sufferings work for our glory. I see your challenges. I see your difficulties. I see what you are going through working for your glory. In the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says that if children then, a hey, if let me read it from verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worth to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The suffering of this. So that means that suffering is just, <laughs> but my brother and sister, if you are going to do this thing real for Christ, uh, genuinely for Christ, suffering comes with it. In your marriage, the sacrifices you have to make for God's name to be glorified in your marriage, in your relationship, in your family, in your career, in your, in, your, in your ministry, in your assignment. Listen, if you really want God's name to be glorified, then get ready. You will go through certain seasons of suffering season for his name. And that is going to produce a far more eternal weight of glory in your life. I see you walking into glory. And you are going to move from glory to glory to glory to glory. Arm yourself with this mindset. Arm yourself. When the Bible talks about mindset, it's talking about a system of thinking, a system of reasoning. We use our minds to understand and to reason. And so we have to start engaging your mind in this suffering to advantage you. Don't waste your suffering. There is a purpose for your pain. There is a purpose for your pain. If you are walking in Christ, if you are keeping your word, yourself in God's word, there is a purpose for your pain. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste your suffering. God is with you. He said, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he says that, therefore, I glory in my weakness. Don't be afraid, for God is with you. And you are going to move from glory to glory to glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. So quickly, the point number eight. In fact, before I go to point number eight, picking on the point number seven again, with regards to the glory, glory, glory for um, the, um, the, our, 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 if it says that it's working for us. First, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse uh, verse seventeen. For our light afflictions, working for us, eternal weight, which is by for but for a moment, working for us, an eternal weight of glory, glory, eternal. This thing is is in eternity. We, we don't live just for this life. We are living for eternity. And guess what? When we meet the Lord. There are going to be rewards. Your suffering will determine your reward. How much we suffer for him will also have an impact on our, uh, 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 have an impact on the kind of reward we receive. Listen, your inheritance in heaven, your inheritance in God is determined by your faithfulness in this lifetime. 
your inheritance in God, my inheritance in God, our inheritance in God is determined by our faithfulness in this lifetime, whether through suffering or through peaceful uh, peace, uh, peace times. Times of suffering, hard times, good times, rough times, great times. Our faithfulness in our lifetime is what determines our inheritance in God. And when we meet God, there are crowns. And permit me to mention five crowns the Bible talks about. People are going to receive five different types of crowns. I pray that you will work so much that you receive all five. Number one of the crown the Bible said we will receive is the crown of life. The crown of life. James chapter 1 verse 12, it says that, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Mm. For when he, he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life goes to people who suffer for his name's sake because they love him. <laughs> That's what you're going to get. Your, see, your suffering is working for you. Your suffering, don't waste your suffering. Don't waste, have a mindset and go through it. Because it says that there is a crown of life which Christ, God, will give to those who love him. And those who have paid, persevered and paid the price for his namesake. Revelations, Revelations chapter uh, 2. Verse 10, it says, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, it says that fear, uh, 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 fear none of those things which thou will suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you thee a crown of those who persevere to the end. Be faithful to the end. He said, Jesus said, I will give you a crown, of the crown, a crown of life. So the crown of life goes to those who persevere and persevere through suffering, all right, to the end. Number two, we talk, the Bible talks about the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. So we have the crown of life. We have the crown of righteousness. Who are those who receive the crown of righteousness? According to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it says, And God, uh, and the, right, the righteous judge, he will give me the crown of righteousness at his appearing. And not only me, but also to all those who love his appearing. Those who love his coming. You always look forward to his coming. The Bible says that you shall receive a crown of righteousness. A crown, because First John chapter 3, verse 2, it talks about, um, we know that when we see him, we shall be like him. And then verse 3 talks about anyone who has this hope in himself. What is the hope? The hope of come, it is coming. You look forward to seeing Jesus. You look forward to meeting Jesus. He said anyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself and the evil one shall not touch him. Crown of righteousness. You puri When you have the hope for his coming, you, it doesn't matter what you go through in life. It doesn't matter how much Satan tries to attack you. You continue. You continue. I see you receiving the crown of righteousness in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that may we all receive grace. May we all receive grace to look forward to his appearing. So we will receive the crown of righteousness. In the early church, in first first. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22, it says that, come Lord Jesus. It says that Maranatha, Mar people who have Maranatha, a Maranatha mindset, come, Jesus, come. Whatever I'm going through, everything I'm doing, I don't live like life is all about now. Come, Maranatha, we look forward to your coming. In the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, it said, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. So, those who love his appearing will receive the crown of righteousness. Number three, the, the crown incorruptible. Crown incorruptible. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 25. It says that those, uh, uh, when you, you run the race to obtain, but who does it belong to? For those who press on steadfastly. You are pressing on towards the mark of the 
price of uh, the mark of the uh, uh, towards the mark of the price of the high calling of Christ of God in Christ Jesus. You press on. He said, I beat my body and I bring it under subjection. First Corinthians chapter 9, the verse 25 of verse 24 and 25 said that I do not run aimlessly. For he said, run in such a way that you obtain, you obtain that crown, the crown of uh, uh, the crown that does not perish. It's incorruptible because people who compete for in athletics, they compete to receive a crown, but that one will not take them anywhere. When a, a, a great person who has many medals die, someone who has medals, when they die, they don't take it. You have to leave it. It doesn't follow you to the next, um, um, the afterlife, the life after here. But guess what? But guess what? That one is perishable. But the one we have is an imperishable crown. It's an imperishable, ever fresh, ever thriving, and ever, ever enviable. You, may you receive grace to work hard. May you receive grace to press on in perseverance to receive that crown. And then the fourth one is the crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing goes to those who win souls. The crown of rejoicing. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, it said, you are our hope. It said, you are our rejoicing. You are our, let me read it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. It says that for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are you, uh, are, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. When he's coming, those we have won, the souls you have won, the souls you have won and established, never be part of talking somebody outside, out, out of church. Never be part of it. It takes a lot for a soul to be won. Never, even in, when you are backsliding or when you are upset, you are not happy with people. Be careful people don't leave church because of your comments, your behavior, your contribution. Be careful because God will judge you for that. <laughs> God, I'm telling you, never contribute to people leaving church or leaving, moving away, but work hard to get people in. Work hard to win more, so hard to win souls and grow souls and disciple souls because you will receive the crown of rejoicing at the coming of Jesus Christ. And then finally, so we have the crown of life, the crown of righteousness, the, 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 the crown incorruptible, the crown of rejoicing, and then finally, the crown of glory, the crown of glory, the crown of glory. Hallelujah. Who are those who qualify to receive the crown of glory? Those who feed the sheep, they feed God's people. Like what I'm doing, I, I'm looking forward to this crown. So I'm believing God that I will get the crown of life. I'll wear the crown of many crowns. I'll wear the crown of life. I'll wear the crown of righteousness. I'll wear the crown incorruptible. I'll wear the crown of rejoicing, and I shall wear the crown of glory. First Peter chapter 5, verse 4. It talks about the crown of glory. Permit me to read it, please. First Peter chapter 5, verse 4. He said, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he ye shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. It belongs to the people, those who are feeding God's flock. The crown of glory. And so when and all these things to obtain the crown, it, it it will entail some some level of work, perseverance, and suffering. And so as anything you want to do for God, it will put a demand on you. It's called sacrifice. It's called what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Sacrifice to help build the church. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Sacrifice to help strengthen believers. Sacrifice to support and sacrifice to serve faithfully in that church, in that department. Sacrifice. 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 It's, it, sacrifice entails suffering, but it is worth it. That suffering will, cry, will give you the crown. Sacrifice, my brother. Sacrifice. Most of us will only sacrifice for our interests. Sacrifice for the things that we want that will embellish our lives on earth. It might not be bad in itself. Look at the way you sacrifice for your education. You sacrifice for your children. You sacrifice for your business. You sacrifice for your job. You will sacrifice for everything. But when it comes to God, there are people who claim they love God, but your level of sacrifice is zero. It's wanting. It's questionable. Your level of sacrifice, your level of sacrifice for God's people, for God's work, and for the church. Make so much noise and complaining about the little offering you have given. The little service you have, you want, you want money, 
every, you, are, you do things in church for monetary considerations. Everything you are doing, even when it's for God, you attach heavy monetary consideration to it. If you are not getting monetary gain, you won't do it. Repent, my brother believer, my sister believer. Don't do it on monetary considerations. Sacrifice, suffer for him. Point number eight, and then I'll end. Eight, why believers suffer? Oh, eight is loaded, but why believers suffer? To preserve us from sinful manner of life. <laughs> First, it brings us back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh, has ceased from sin. Has suffered in the flesh, has ceased from sin. He that has suffered in the flesh, has ceased from sin. He that has suffered in the flesh, has ceased from sin. The remedy, the only remedy for sin is the cross. The only remedy for sin is the cross. The cross gives us forgiveness, and we on the cross gives us an authority over sin. He said, has seized. The Greek word translated seize means sin has lost the dominion. Like God told Cain that Genesis chapter 4, I think verse 7 and 8, he said, Cain, if you do good, will you not be accepted? But if you do evil, sin lies at your door. And its desire is to have you and to master you. He said, you have to master it. Sin wants to have you. Sin wants to have you. But when you live the life under the cross, sin cannot have you. Troubles, suffering, suffering has a way. <laughs> you see, a lot of people sin because there's no problems. You remember when you were going through those problems and crises, you were very careful. You, you will be the first to be in church. Every morning you take your Bible, reading. When you were told that you are you are you are sick, and it's likely in your in, in your next test and scan, we want they want to verify whether this thing is terminal or not. Did you see? Did you see? Temptation was not a problem. Temptation was, in fact, temptation lost its power over you because the challenges you are going through, the problem on your head, you don't have time to sin. Troubles, troubles have a way of helping us to cease sinning. Precious, precious. You know what? Pleasures, P-L, pleasures. Pleasures heat up the lust of the flesh. It turns, it turns, pleasures. When everything is going well, everything is going well. But you know, when you are sick, even your favorite food, you are not interested in it. You are not interested in it. Your favorite hairstyle, you can't be bothered. You hold your wig and you flap it. There are times that after long days activities, many sisters who wear wig, maybe especially it's a hot day and you're tired, but, but they, they don't even get one. As soon as they enter the house, they remove their wig and fly. They're tired. They're tired. You don't have time for this. Pleasures, watch this, pleasures heat up the last, the flesh of, the last of the flesh. Pressure, pressures cool down the last of the flesh. So you see, when God loves you and he sees you are going off, he will allow some challenges to blow your way. So it will help you sit up. God doesn't punish believers. Yeah, he purifies believers. Unbelievers, the same heat that a believer faces, the same fire an unbeliever faces is the same fire. The fire that melts gold or that purifies gold is the same fire that burns straw. When you are a believer, you are good. The fire is meant to purify you. When you are an unbeliever, you are strong. The fire is punishing and burning you. So there's a difference between the fire of punishment and fire of purification. Because I think I'll leave that when I get to some later. I'll explain more on that. So when Bible says that he who has suffered, let me read it again. It says that for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin has ceased from sin. Cease means to, uh, the, 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 uh, the ruling power of sin 
has been disengaged. In Romans chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. We sometimes entertain sin because we are so, there's so much peace with us. Things are going so well. That's why we can, you can get the time to gossip about that quarister, to gossip about the pastor, to lambast church people because things look good. Now you've, you've got your job. Your health is fine. Everything is working. So sin is rife. When there is pleasure, the last of the flesh is heated up. It comes more when there is pressure. When you didn't, some people, when they didn't have a job, when they didn't have a job, they were not doing some things. All right, so there is a way where um, sin is, becomes common and active in us when there's, in the, in the absence of pressures. But pressure cools down the last of the flesh. Pleasures heat up the last of the flesh. That is one of the reasons why Bible says that when, um, when we go through, in fact, chapter 4, First Peter chapter 4, verse 14, he said when you go through trials or when you go through sufferings, or, uh, through difficulties, or when you, when you are, he said, blessed are you. Blessed. Huh? Going through tr tr troubles and he said, blessed am I. How? Let me read it. I think, let me read it. I like, you know, I like to read it myself. I, 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 let me read it. Verse 14, it says that, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed, happy are you. That's the King James. New King James says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. How? Because it actually prepares you and puts you in a favorable condition. There is a reason why God allows suffering in Christian, a Christian's life for his name's sake. I pray that your pain will not be wasted, your suffering will not be wasted, but rather that pain has a purpose, that suffering that has a purpose, that challenge that has a purpose will be turned to the glory of God for your advantage in the mighty name of Jesus. So in conclusion, Peter wrote to us that we should have this arm ourselves with this mindset the same, the way Jesus suffered for us, we should arm ourselves. How? He suffered knowing that the, the end is going to be better. He suffered knowing that he will pay any price to obey God. He suffered with the will to do God's will. He suffered knowing that he's going to be elevated and he'll sit on the right hand of majesty. He suffered knowing that God is good. Anytime you are tempted to sin, remember, what sin can do against you. It can damage so much in your life. And remember, even if not you, look at what sin did to your Savior. Look at what sin did to, to your Savior. What sin did to Jesus on the cross. We can look at that and help us have a mindset to walk in righteousness, even if it causes pain to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.